we're all gone a bit stir crazy. We're all gone a bit mad. We haven't had sport for months. And just like everyone else in the world, we decided we'd start a podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Nathan. And I'm Stuart. And we are the Sport Blokes. Roundup, Stewie. What do you reckon? Bit of news? Get into it. So, uh, I've got a few things here. Cristiano Ronaldo has become football's first ever billionaire. He's beat out Lionel Messi just, who apparently will join him next year. Uh, He's only 35. He's the third sportsman to be actively playing when reaching a a billion dollars. It's nuts, isn't it? Uh, Joining Tiger Woods and Floyd Mayweather. Wouldn't we love a bit of that change? It's nice to see Ronaldo actually beat Messi at something. Hey, uh, that's, there's a soccer reference that went over my head. We'll get uh, the zing in immediately, immediately sport bloke becomes uh, an, an ironic term. Also in the tennis world with money, uh, 22-year-old phenom Naomi Osaka has been unveiled by Forbes as the world's highest paid female athlete, which is an incredible achievement at such a young age. Also considering a competition. So 57... Uh, just a shade over 57 million uh, in the last 12 months. Uh, just to put that into comparison, Serena Williams is who I would have guessed if you'd asked me. Uh, it was 45.5. Um, had the record previously. So she's beaten that by a fair chunk of change. It's just a cold $12 million there. Osaka ranks 29th on the 2020 list of the world's top 100 paid athletes, four spots ahead of Serena. Just that includes tennis. endorsements, that's right. That's, that's yeah. everything. That's yeah. the whole kit and caboodle. It's the first time two women have cracked the top 100 since 2016. In rugby news, uh, St. George coach Paul McGregor has kept his job after the Dragons called an emergency board meeting uh, in a 22-2, following a 22-2 loss. Um, and look, we won't pretend to know any more about rugby uh, than we do, um, but I'm sure the board made either the right or wrong call there, uh, depending on who you are. Probably both. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it is rugby. So, But West Tigers star Benji Marshall, has sent, uh, he's been sent away from the team and isolated after footage showed him approaching Channel 7 reporter Michelle Bishop and planting a kiss on her cheek. Oh, dear. Not something <laughs> oh dear. you want to be doing just, in these times. It just brings back memories of Chris Gale. Well, this one was consensual, but uh, because of the COVID stuff, it's oh, been enough right. The Collingwood Magpies uh, were apparently approached by US parties regarding potential ownership. Um, and it's something that might uh, seep into the league. Uh, GWS have, you know, been uh, Gold Coast as well. The expansion teams have been linked with potential, uh, you know, being ones that might head down that road. In the States, Major League Baseball's rejected the players' proposal for an 114-game schedule in the pandemic-delayed season. Uh, the ice hockey has some interesting goings on as well. We won't talk about them today, but we'll definitely cover them in the coming weeks. Um, in online gaming, the Lakers team defeated the Celtics 2-0 in the best of three 2K league. I wouldn't normally talk about 2K league. I don't personally watch it, but uh, whenever you know the Lakers and Celtics are involved, it's always you know an interesting part of the story. This yes, is what's well, come to during the, during the pandemic. It's this and marbles. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You lose your marbles if you have to watch too much of that stuff. No, we don't want, we don't want to offend the, those that do like watching Gap. I must admit, I did watch the Madden Championship when Snoop Dogg was playing. I was rooting for him. I don't, I don't actually know if he won in the end. I didn't watch the whole thing. So that goes to show how much I was interested. Uh, in America, obviously, very tense times at the moment. We don't want to make light of, you know, very serious issues, but they... They're, they're caricatures of themselves sometimes. Denver Broncos coach Vic Fangio says there's no racism in the NFL. And then almost on cue about a day later, I think not even 24 hours later, Drew, Blee, Drew Brees, the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, made the same tone-deaf comments about uh, protesting during the National Anthem and Colin Kaepernick kneeling. Uh, that were made three years ago. So clearly he hasn't been listening. So that's caused up quite a stir. But actually, I think it will be for the better because it seems that finally they're coming around uh, on peaceful protesting over there in sport. Renee Gracie has traded her V8 supercars jacket for, well, nothing because she's turned to porn. News.com.au reported last week that the V8 supercars racer who had the best finish of 18th back in 2015 was earning around 25 grand a month. They reported that mid last week. To save you the maths, that's over a million bucks in a year. Um, and because they love the clickbait, they ran a story again a couple of days later saying that she'd made 70 grand in a couple of days. Now apparently they're reporting, I saw today, The Guardian, I think it was, is reporting 90 grand a month. So um, yeah, she's probably not missing the supercars there. What have you missed, mate? This is normally the point where we would talk about what we, what we missed. Oh, what, what haven't I missed? Honestly, just sport in general, being able to sit down of a weekend or even during the week and just, just sit there and just detach from the entire world with sport. We're almost there. We're, we we're, are. We what, are. Are we, what are we now? One day to get through and, and the footy's back on and it won't be long before everything else is, is sort of following from there. That's absolutely right. Footy is back on. And, uh, you know, it'd be remiss of us to mention that NRL has been around for a little while. As you, we've worked out pretty quickly. We're not massive NRL fans. We'll talk about it as, as much as we can when we can and if we wish to, but we won't uh, cover it too much. Our main interests are cricket, basketball and footy, but we'll certainly be talking um, about anything that, that we find interesting in the sporting world. And, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Haven't we all missed sport? We've resorted to all sorts of things. It has been nice to... Um, to watch some of the old games they've broadcast. I think the, the funnest one I saw was the WA Victoria State of Origin in the footy. That was pretty good. Wow. You know, I've, I've gone all the way back to the, the, the mid-1980s for the, for the NBA. That's been certainly something that I've, I've been enjoying. And a lot, of the, um, a lot of the great 1990s football as well, when you know, there was a bit more biffo in the, in the game, I've, I've quite enjoyed you know, watching that. So. Uh, a bit of the old biffo. Dermot Burton, not too far away, generally. What caught your eye this week, Stewie? I was actually—I was just about to ask you the same question, actually. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, in addition to watching old sport that we can get our hands on, there's been a lot of docos. We won't kind of—I don't think we need to talk about uh, the last dance too much. That's probably been done to death a little bit. But what also aired in the last uh, couple of weeks was the Lance Armstrong documentary. It was a couple, a couple of parts. Um, so I waited until both parts were released before I watched, and it was fascinating, fascinating watch. You can you completely understand why people would have fallen under his charm, uh, but for the same token, you can also see that he's very capable of being uh, a pretty uh, mean bastard. Um, but the most <laughs> the most interesting thing well, there's a couple of interesting things from it. One was that he'd won the world championships, and then when he came back and competed in another event with basically similar competitors, he was terrible, 
And that's when he says he realised that the drugs in sport, it was either if you can't beat them, join them. And that's why he joined them. Uh, so he was on the gear from the get-go and he was on all sorts of stuff. But the other interesting thing from it was uh, that uh, he gave an inspirational speech to his son's football team and, and said, I'm proud of all of you. I'm particularly proud of... And he mentioned the wrong number. So that's how well he knows his son. Oh, dear. Um, but the other, <laughs> the other interesting thing there, actually, so there was quite a contrast. They talked to his son and said, you know, would you ever consider... Because he's a football player, he's playing college ball. Um, would you ever consider uh, performance-enhancing drugs? And he said, no, no, I like doing things. I like earning, uh, earning things and I want to do things the right way and the hard way. And then they asked Lance, although uh, they, they were filmed separately, but they asked Lance, or they, you know, the cut was to Lance and they'd asked him the same thing. And he basically said, oh, look, no, 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 not while he's in college. That's terrible. Once he gets to the NFL, and this oh, is said no. with no irony, with no sense of, uh, you know, almost self-awareness at all. This, he said this with complete honesty. So that's definitely worth a watch. In, I've got to say, in some ways, I actually enjoyed it more than The Last Dance, even though it was much shorter. That was me, Stewie. What caught your eye this week? Well, unfortunately, what caught my eye was something a little bit uh, bit sad for me. Um, yeah, the, the death of Wes Unseld, uh, former NBA player from from the 1970s with uh, with the Washington Bullets. Um, certainly for me, you know, watching watching him as I grew up and, and and sort of studied the game. Yeah, he definitely still goes down as the probably the greatest outlet passer of all time. He was probably the uh, the one that really got Kevin Love interested in the you know in in that particular part of the game and. Um, he's certainly today's, you know, today's number one. But Wes Unseld was was very much an undersized centre, and you know what he what he lacked in size, he certainly made up for in heart. And, and uh, you know, he was absolutely the, the heart and soul of that Washington Bullets team in the in the late seventies um, that, that that sort of took out a championship against Seattle um, and were runners up the following year, I believe, or one way or the other. So a little bit of bit of sad news there, and and absolutely. You know, he would have been coaching when we were kids. So we're in our mid-30s. So when we were kind of first watching the NBA, he would have been coaching. I think he coached the Bullets, the team he played for, didn't he? He might have done, actually. Um, I know he coached, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Um, yeah, it was Washington, actually. Yeah, it yeah was, I thought so. It was that that sort of, uh, yeah, probably just before the, the whole Chris Webber and Jawan Howard uh, sort of team that, that came through. So um, he probably would have had a few years with players like Bernard King. Uh, I think Rod Strickland might have even gone through there at that time. But there's, uh, yeah, he, he was, he's definitely somebody who, who will be sorely missed around the NBA. And, um, you know, following on from that, you know, we, we lost one of the one of the greatest coaches of all time as well in Jerry Sloan. Um, Absolutely. Who, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, had uh, well, I'm certainly held held a record for quite a while for the for the longest coaching tenure on one team. I think Greg Popovich has broken that, um, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, he was obviously a a sensational coach. You know, bringing guys like Carl Malone and John Stockton and and leading them into the into the finals in the in that late '90s, um, where realistically, if Jordan had had not come back from baseball, Carl Malone may be a, a, a two or three time NBA champion. Who knows? And again, of course, um, you know, people our age were remembering patrolling those sidelines for many, many years. Um, and I guess, unfortunately, in the in the latter years, he, he was a bit of a shell of his former self. I remember seeing him in the crowd, funnily enough, talking about games we've watched while no uh, live sports being played. I saw a, a playoff game of the Utah Jazz and he was sitting in the crowd and he just looked a, a, a shadow of his former self battling um, Parkinson's 
So, yeah, very sad news. He, funnily, some interesting stats with him. He was the first Chicago Bull uh, to ever have his jersey retired. Yep, um, yep. And uh, he, he's the third all-time in minutes for the Chicago Bulls behind Jordan and Pippen. There you go. Interesting. Yeah, he's. He, it must. I must admit, it surprised me when I looked at his playing career. Um, you know, you, you just assumed that he would have been a role player, but uh, but no, he was an All Star a couple of times. He was an All NBA defensive first team and second team player across the, the late '60s and early '70s. So, um, yeah, he was a he was a very very handy player. So. And of course, it's been a real big loss for uh, the NBA in in general this year. Obviously, with also Kobe Bryant and David Stern too hugely iconic figures for different reasons uh, and will always be indelibly uh, in the NBA folklore and history. So terrible year and we're only halfway through it as far as um, and that, and NBA that's, deaths. That's, that's the scary thought. I was having a look at, at that the other day and, you know, it's crazy to think that it's only been about four and a half months since Kobe Bryant tragically passed away. I mean, it's, you know, it seems like a year and a year and a half ago that, that it happened, but it's, uh, it's only just, just over four months. And another Basketball Hall of Fame coach as well, Eddie Sutton, also passed away. Um, I should have been more prepared. I know he's high up in the all-time coaching wins. I think he's number 11th or so. He's quite high up. Um, but I remember uh, most um, closely his days with uh, coaching the Oklahoma State um, Cowboys in the NCAA men's basketball. And, and uh, they had some handy teams um, in the mid early to mid-2000s, including one with Tony Allen, of course, who went on to have a pretty good uh, career as a role player in the NBA. Yep, another amazing defensive player as well. So, yeah, I must admit, I actually wasn't aware of that one. So, that's, there you go. Well, we'll, we'll promise that the, uh, you know, these segments will be a little bit more more upbeat, you know, down the track. But we, we certainly didn't, didn't want to, you know, sort of go through these things without actually talking about about some of these these amazing people that have uh, that have left us so oh it would be it would be remiss of us not to um even even though it is terrible uh terrible news as you say we'll, we'll move to a bit lighter news we'll, so we'll, we'll move on to cricket now we, we didn't kind of have a lot to talk about with with cricket the uh, New South Wales uh, team won the Sheffield Shield. They were awarded the Sheffield Shield uh, and the season was was put on hold or cancelled. So they were declared winners. I don't think anyone really argues with that. They were the, the standout team of the competition this year as they have been for so long. Uh, but a couple of other things going on in cricket. Uh, the Windies are heading to England for a tour starting in July. Uh, July 8th, I believe, is the first game. So that, that looks to be the first... Um, international cricket that will be post-COVID-19. So that'll be interesting. Um, former Test quick Peter Siddle signed a two-year contract with the Tasmanian Tigers, so he's moved over from Victoria. Um, and, and this is the crazy one. Talk about fall from grace. So uh, all-rounder James Faulkner, who for a couple of years there just seemed to do no wrong and seemed to constantly be smacking sixes and fours to win games for us. Um, he didn't even get a gig with, with the Tigers. He didn't even get a state gig. It's, it seems to me unfathomable that he won't be picked up by somebody. I mean, you know, it, it did feel for a little while like guys maybe started picking up on his slower ball, which I think was, was certainly one of his bowling keys. And, and he did kind of go off the, off the boil a bit with the bat, but, you know, he's, he's still got so much experience and, you know, he's still proven at that level. And uh, the, the, the thought of him not being on, on at least a state side is, yeah, it's just, Beyond comprehension to me. 
It is a bit, isn't it? I mean, you'd have to imagine that he'll be playing in the Big Bash League. Um, and if it was any other year, he could make himself a expert T20 player like these guns for hire that go and play in every league that they can. But of course, this year, who knows what's going to happen with that. So it's not mm. a good year for him to try and do that. Um, hopefully, he'll be in the Big Bash, if nothing else. Um, also yeah. in cricket news, uh, sporting prodigy Will Parker has signed a two-year contract with Cricket Victoria, uh, turning his back on a potential career in the AFL. Um, he actually was projected in the AFL draft, so uh, I think as high as top 20, maybe even top 10. Uh, but he made his first class debut in the cricket. Um, he was the fourth youngest cricketer to represent Victoria in the Sheffield Shield and picked up four for 89 against the Blues at the SCG, including the crucial wickets of Curtis Pat Patterson and Moises on Rakes. Um, and he's a leggy, so I'm happy. We need him. We need him. We need us. Yeah, as many leggies as you can get. I know it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting debate. Sometimes people are always very upset when uh, they have a player lost to, the, to another sport. But uh, as someone who loves both cricket and footy, if, if someone's a leggy, I want him playing cricket. I do not want him playing footy. We need to, uh, we need to restock that cupboard, don't we, Shui? Definitely, 100%. I suppose we also have to talk about Mitch Stark. I mean, he, uh, he sort of mentioned on Tuesday about cricket becoming a little bit boring if they're, they're not relaxing these ball tampering rules. Um, I guess, you know, in response to, to all this, this COVID stuff, I mean, not being able to use saliva to shine the ball anymore, it really does potentially create a very very boring product in terms of in terms of cricket if the ball's not swinging you know it's yeah you're, you're really struggling to take wickets so it's um yeah it's it's another interesting thing, thing to come out and um, i'm glad that mitch has said it because you know we don't want we don't want these boring five-day draws we want as many results as we can possibly get so you have to wonder if Mitch should have maybe let this one go through to the keeper, though, because uh, I don't know if, if Aussies, uh, you know, has the half-life on talking about ball tampering passed for Aussies yet? Those in glass houses? Oh, it, it, no, it never will. We, yeah, we still cop grief over the underarm, which was, you know, how many years ago was that now? So, it's, um, but look, at the end of the day, you, you've, you've got to look at what's going to happen. I mean, obviously, the ball will move a little bit in England. Um, that's just the, the way that it it happens so that it'll be interesting to see what happens in that windy series if that does go ahead and um you know but really you know you need you need the ball swinging all across the world it just i think i think the, the game has become that dominated by the bat in a lot of instances that you just you have to have that that movement so yeah i mean it sucks that you know that had to be an australian that said it and probably will uh, will bring a lot of those trolls back out from under their bridges to to talk about what we did in south africa but you know it needed to be said We'll keep an eye on Twitter for that one. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? It's probably going back a couple of weeks now, but it, it's really hard to, to go past the sex dolls in Korea for the uh, for the probably the, the strangest story of the of the break. Um, for those of you who maybe didn't happen to to see this, uh, FC Seoul, who are the uh, one of the, the major soccer teams in in the capital of South Korea, they were trying to fill up their stadium with uh, with mannequins and and you know, realistic looking people, but uh, due to a, due to an error, they were accidentally sent sex dolls, which um, oh dear. Some, some, some very eagle eyed viewers managed to pick up, which is um, unfortunate. I did actually see them. They didn't look particularly noticeable. So 
obviously whoever picked this up has a, a, a very, very solid knowledge of, uh, of, the, of the sex doll industry. <laughs> Probably not something to be overly proud of, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, was, it was absolutely fascinating. And it, and it led to a, a, about a $124,000 fine, I believe, was, was what, the, uh, what the team w- was hit with, which, you know, in this day and age with, with not much money coming into the clubs, it's, it's quite a sizable figure. Um, and it's there's you know not just just that there's also been some some really really interesting ways that people have gone about uh, about trying to make the you know the crowd experience real. Um, if you look at the NRL, they've had you know these cardboard cutouts where we saw some some you know very unusual ones in there. We saw Dominic Cummings uh, appear not that long after the uh, the issues with him driving up up and around the the, uh, the English countryside. Um, we also saw a serial killer. I, I don't remember the name of the gentleman, but there was a serial killer that was that was put in there. So there was. Uh, we don't need to learn his name. I don't think. No, um, we probably don't need don't need to glorify what he did. But um, but yeah, you know those sorts of things very much make you sit back and say bloody hell. Bloody hell. I love what they're doing Sorry, in Korea. I, I've seen uh, at the baseball. So the baseball's restarted in, Korea, in South Korea, and and. Um, Funnily enough, ESPN is broadcasting it because ESPN is just dying for content, and uh, it's it's been leading into episodes of Get Up in the Morning. But what they've what they've been doing is behind the uh, the the bat, the batter, they've got the all these blow um not blow up dolls uh, that was the soccer they've got all these uh, plush <laughs> yeah. toys plush toys so there's, there's all these, these are big Winnie the Pooh and all these these big toys in the background. As if they're spectators, it's, it's quite a nice touch, actually. That is fantastic. That is brilliant. Um, I mean, I know one of the things that, that we sort of talked about off air was was you know if you if you look at sort of just going back to the NRL experience, you know it's a twenty two dollar investment. Would you do it, Nath? Would you would you put yourself there or would you put oh, someone else? What, what would you do? I'm notoriously stingy, Stewie. That's two beers, twenty two <laughs> bucks. Um, I, I wouldn't put myself, I definitely wouldn't put myself. I would definitely be more of a larrikin and I'd try and find something funny. Um, I'd love to slip something under the radar, like having a great wearing the wrong jersey. Um, but definitely not a, not a serial killer. Definitely not a serial killer. No, I think, I think that's a, probably a step or four too far. Um, we did actually hear a, quite a, a humorous anecdote from one of our friends who was, uh, who was talking about putting a, a picture of Where's Wally up there and uh, seeing if people could pick him out of the crowd. That's entirely so appropriate. Just a fantastic idea. Um, one of the other ones that I did actually want to talk about, which I really like, um, was coming out of the, I think it was the Dutch or the Danish Football League, uh, where they've put up a whole bunch of, of screens around the, around the ground and, and had a, a whole bunch of fans basically dialing in via Zoom. Um, so you know, I, I believe you pay a, a small amount to get onto onto that, and you basically got that view from uh, from the sidelines. Which have there been any shenanigans yet? I know there was a, uh, apparently there was a group Zoom meeting with politicians where one was getting changed because she didn't realise she was on camera. Yeah, I, d- I don't believe there have been anything, or there have been any incidents yet, but I mean, it's early days. It's very, very early days. It is early days. This is a, this is a good segue to the AFL. So obviously, I think uh, round one's already been played and it was played to empty, st- empty stadia around the country. And I found it, I found it really hard, hard to watch without a crowd. What do you reckon? Did you? Oh, hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it was funny how you know different sports had had really different experiences for me. But I'd certainly say focusing on the on the AFL, 
it did it did sort of feel a little bit you know and I, and I certainly don't want to detract from you know from the state leagues but it did feel like we were you know watching maybe a league or two down uh, by not having quite as many people in the in the crowd or or in this case having no one um, mm. it, it was it, it, yeah everything just kind of felt a little bit hollow and a little bit amateur which was a shame um, certainly great that you know, some of the uh, some of the first gamers were able to still have family members attend the game, and um, I believe nice some touch. of the yeah some of the I think some of the corporates were were nice enough to forfeit their seats for for that. But um, but yeah, it it just I don't know, it just didn't feel right to me, and and I know that there's been a lot of talk of sort of pumping in uh, artificial crowd noise and things like that, which. Uh, I must admit, a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't particularly excited about the the thought of, but I'm I'm certainly coming around to that now. Our same friend that you mentioned before said that it was like watching your favourite sitcom without cad laughter, which was a really interesting analogy. I'm prepared to to see how it goes with the crowd noise pumping it in. Um, obviously, I'd hoped that they would stop it if it wasn't working, but I'm prepared to give it a go for a round or two. As I say, I found I found footy the hardest to watch. We, obviously, we had the NBL had a couple of finals games with no crowds, and and that was it was weird, but it wasn't too hard. And and cricket as well, we're kind of used to seeing often pretty empty stadiums with test matches being played during work hours, and and this sort you know the Shield and and this sort of thing are often empty stadiums. So I, I don't find it too too weird watching cricket, but yeah, I found the footy really weird without crowds. Yeah, well, I was. It's it's funny. So I was actually uh, talking to someone a bit uh, a bit earlier about the NRL, and and apparently, and I haven't actually seen this yet. It's probably something I will watch later in the week. The the artificial crowd noise that they've done there. Apparently, they've done an absolutely amazing job with that. So I'll be keen to okay. to see just how accurate that is, and and you know, hopefully, that sort of thing will uh, will be an easy one to convert across to the to the AFL. Mm, well, that's something to keep an eye on. Well, let's talk about the AFL. Let's let's get stuck into it. Um, obviously, it's it's quite a, a weird situation because in our country, the states have different ideas about what should and shouldn't happen, and some borders are open, some borders are closed. Uh, the WA teams uh, have already flown over. Obviously, um, with with games kicking off tomorrow, round two kicking off tomorrow, have already flown over to the Gold Coast where they've set up shop. How do you think that'll go, Shuri, being a uh, Eagles fan? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and I kind of feel like my my perspective on it is changing from day to day. I mean, just today it was announced that there's a, a very strong possibility that, that West Australia will be one of the one of the hubs potentially a week or two after this block. So, um, you know, certainly if you'd asked me this a few days ago, I, w- I would have been certainly a lot more worried about it. Um, I mean, look at the end of the day. We want football, so I guess we take it how we can get it. Um, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, we would have half of our games being played at Optus Stadium, and the other half would be, you know, various stadium, you know, various other spots around uh, around Australia. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, and I, I mean, I guess you know, we'll, we'll maybe talk a little bit more about who the the winners and losers are in depth in in a minute. But um, yeah, it's it's just because it is so unprecedented. It's it's really hard to know just how it's going to go. I mean, they've, they've certainly picked a, a nice spot for it. I mean, uh, you know, looking at the the location, I guess, you know, they've managed to create a really nice, um, nice sort of area with the two hotels that the, the teams are staying at, both within a couple of kilometres of Metricon. So, um, you know, certainly location-wise, everything should be nice and easy. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a really, really interesting four weeks. And, I, you know, I mean, I'm just dying to, to see some, some footy on the TV. I really am. 
and you mentioned the blocks, and I think we should probably um, we should probably talk about that. Um, so the 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 scheduling has been quite interesting, actually, and I think it's quite pragmatic. So we had the round one, and then everything went on hold, um, and we've been off for what more than well, two four months. Um, yeah, it's been a while. So so they're doing block fixturing. So so they've released the next four weeks worth of footy, which takes us to the end of round five. Um, and this this had come in for round one, so the season had been reduced uh, from 22 rounds to 17. Uh, or that might not have come in until the break, but what did come in was the length of quarters. So they've been reduced from 20 minutes to 16 minutes plus time on. Um, and players and staff are to be tested within 24 hours of the main contact sessions. Um, and all players and officials, including umpires and key AFL match officials, will be taking tests 24 hours to prior to games. Um, and then there's, there's protocols for movements outside of uh, training and playing time. And this is where the bonk band comes in. So apparently the players have been told that they, uh, unless, unless they're in a committed long-term relationship, they're going to have to, uh, well, I don't know, watch yeah, South Korean put, soccer. Put Tinder away, basically. Yeah, yep. Which... Which is interesting. I mean, and that was, I guess that was a whole other part of the, the hub that, you know, didn't even really get into is, is the other people that I guess that are joining. I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, do have families, do have kids. And um, I guess that's, that's one of the, one of the hard parts, you know, certainly for them, it's, you know, it's great. They can, some of them can bring the kids over and they can bring the, you know, their, their partners across assuming that they don't have a full-time job that they need to be, you know, back home for. Um, you know, for some of these these other youngsters, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of them were probably excited at the thought of, you know, getting across to the Gold Coast and, and swiping right as much as they could. But, uh, you know, it's, a, it's probably a smart move a smart move by the AFL, I guess, to, to minimise the, the potential damage just in case anything did happen. So, Well, I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be fascinating. Like, we, I think we often... We're so excited that it's coming back that we we kind of forget that you know things could go on hold again at a moment's notice. Um, the Australian winter's coming. Winter is coming. We've done very well to keep it under wraps compared to most countries, but who knows what could happen? The, the game, if you know, if there was an outbreak, who knows? Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. They do need to put everything in place to try and make sure that that as few people get this thing as possible. Well, the, the problem is that if yeah, I would imagine if there's one case, it'll probably be shut down in the blink of an eye. So, yeah, hopefully all these 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 boys can do the right thing and and keep away from it, and, and we can you know have footy on the on the screens for quite a while. So I guess should we get into the winners and losers? Should we yeah, start talking about? I guess let's talk yeah, about so, some potential winners and losers, Julie. I believe you've uh, had a bit of a look over everything. Yeah, look, for, for me, there's probably three clear-cut winners. Um, the Brisbane, And certainly this is just keeping in mind what we know about rounds two to five. Um, these could very, very easily change once the, the, you know, the rest of the season has, has all sort of been, been released. But certainly from, from two to five, I mean, my three clear winners are probably no major surprises. The Brisbane Lions, uh, Geelong and Richmond are probably the three main ones. So for Brisbane, it's, um, you know, it's certainly about that, that home field advantage. They've got, yeah, they've got Fremantle, West Coast, Adelaide and Port at home between rounds two and five. So, you know, they lost to Hawthorne in round one. It was probably what you'd consider a disappointing loss. Um, but they'll probably also get to avoid a trip over to Perth or Adelaide this season unless they have to play a final. So, um, you know, they're going to have to play some other away games over the rest of the season. But it, it, I guess it gives them a chance to really ease their way back into the season. And, you know, three and one out of those four is is probably 
the likely result. Um, oh, yeah, I think they'll be disappointed if they don't get three and one out of that. And I think absolutely yeah. they're big winners. Um, playing, playing at home more, not having to travel as much. Already, you know, maybe surprised a few people last year, but they, you know, they recruited very well prior to last season. And so they have a pretty schmick midfield these days. So I think Brisbane, I think Brisbane are Smokies for the Premiership. I don't think they'll win it, but I think they're Smokies, definitely. Definitely. And the other thing as well, you know, you mentioned about, uh, I guess, just going back to the whole fact that they're playing at the Gabba, you know, Fremantle, West Coast, Adelaide and Port uh, are all in the Gold Coast, but that's not Brisbane. So they've still got to, to make that that short trip up to up to Brisbane. So, you know, it's not like they're, you know, they're just sort of making their way from the hotel to Metricon to play the Lions. They're, they're still having to do a bit of travel. So, um, yeah, they're, they're huge winners in this. Um, I mean, moving on to Geelong, it's probably hard to argue that any team won more than Geelong. Um, it's it's pretty much looking like the Cats will play all of their home games down at uh, at Goomba this year, which is a very very tall order at the best of times. I certainly remember them handing us our backsides last year um, down there. So it's it's probably one of the biggest home field advantages out there. Um, and, and yeah, the fact that they get to play so many games down there is 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 huge for Geelong. And I mean, they'll still be playing a ton of other games around the MCG and Marvel anyway. So they're definitely big winners. I don't know what your thoughts are there. Oh, look, I know Geelong are already 0-1, but uh, I'm I'm very tempted to pick them as my premiership team. I think it's too easy to pick uh, uh, Richmond or Collingwood. GWS would be a very good shot at the Premiership as well, I think, because they seem to choke in finals and maybe if they're not playing in front of crowds, maybe they won't choke. But I, I, think, I think Geelong are absolutely big winners and, and good too because I think, unfortunately, they do lose that really big home field advantage that you talk about because sometimes, even though it's their home game, they travel up to the G because of uh, the expected crowds and so they, they don't even get to play at home as often as they deserve to. So actually, uh, good on them, I say. Um, and it would be interesting to see, you know, speaking of home field advantage, it'll be interesting to see how how much of that can be attributed to the fans being there. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It's interesting. I'm actually just having a quick look at the uh, at the Premiership odds at the moment. They've actually got Geelong at fifteen dollars, so um, wow. you know, maybe, maybe not a not a bad bet. Uh, I mean, Richmond, not surprisingly, are the are the favourites to to take that out. Um, the Eagles coming in at seven dollars with Collingwood, and then you've got GWS at seven fifty, but. Uh, yeah, fifteen dollars. That's a, you know, that's certainly not a not a bad little wager. And that was remiss of me not to mention the Eagles there, Stewie. They absolutely should be right up there in the you know the top five title contention. Absolutely, maybe top three. Oh, look, potentially, and, and a lot will come down to the next few weeks. But we'll we'll talk about the Eagles in a in a little minute. So, um, I guess moving moving on to Richmond as well. Um, you know, as winners. They're an interesting one. I mean, they've they've got basically no injuries at all. Um, so Basher Hawley's got a, a test on his calf, but besides that, they're they're pretty much at full strength. Um, they do have some tricky tricky games in the in the four. I mean, they've got to play West Coast away. I'm using air quotes at the moment, but um, hmm. you know, you would certainly, if you're Richmond, you'd much rather play us in Queensland than you would in West Australia. Um, you know, the same time zone obviously helps. They're not having to travel anywhere near as far, which is uh, which is good. So, um, you know, so for for them, that's that's certainly a Bonus. And they're playing Collingwood at the G as well, which is, you know, realistically, I mean, it's, it's a home ground anyway. So, um, so if, you know, if they're at full strength and they can navigate their way through these these four rounds, you know, undefeated potentially, they really probably would be eyeing up a top two finish from there, which is, um, you know, probably where most people would have them. And I think, I mean, hats off to the schedule makers because this is absolutely the game that should have been 
the game back, Collingwood and Richmond tomorrow night. And and then Geelong Hawthorne on Friday night. I think they're probably the two best games of the round. So I think that was very clever scheduling. And I and I like what they've done. I don't know, you and I haven't actually talked about this much, but I like what they've done with the broken up schedule because I think that it means that more teams will be in contention for longer. So they can manipulate the schedule a little bit in that um, once they know how the ladder looks after round five, the teams that are maybe staring down the barrel, thinking about Mad Monday a little bit too early, if they make them all face off with one another, um, you know, maybe they can, they can kind of, I mean, manipulate's not the right word, but they can kind of make the season interesting for as long as possible for some of those teams that are also around. I know what you're getting at. It's kind of almost like the uh, the auto catch up mode that you used to get on a lot of the uh, the old video games back NBA in, the, Jam. in the 90s. NBA Jam is a yeah, prime example. Yeah, so it's it's probably yeah, it could be a little bit like that. And yeah, I think you're right. It's a really really great point. Is that they haven't pushed it too far because they haven't really needed to. It doesn't matter who, you know, Carlton are playing in round 15. That's not important right now. It's 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 about living in this moment as as long as it lasts, and you know, hopefully, it will get all the way to the end of the season. But you know, let's let's just focus on the next few rounds. And obviously, tanking is a dirty word, so this this can hopefully guard against a bit of tanking too. So I think this is quite canny scheduling. It will be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I think that was that was good. On my list, Stewie, I had I had the Swans as winners, and again, this is kind of based on the limited information we do have about the schedule. But they've got, uh, and you know, full, full disclosure, I'm a Swans fan. Uh, um, so three of the four games were at the SCG. Um, I think, although Buddy and Sam Reid are injured, so the tall timbers um, uh, not there, so our goal kicking could be problematic. Um, I think Essendon's very winnable. Um, the Dogs at the G, yeah, that could be tough, but it's winnable. Uh, and then Melbourne at the sorry when I say SCG and, and Melbourne SCG, at SCG yeah. as well. So uh, I think I think Sydney could be winners, and I think the Eagles are winners too because um, oh well I don't know what how you think about Sydney first year. Well, I mean it's interesting. I actually had Sydney in a different category altogether. I had them in a neutral category um, because yeah, I mean their their draw is fantastic. Um, you mentioned that they've got three at home. Their one away game against North Melbourne um, is is a fixture they haven't lost in thirteen years. Right. Um, so it's you know it's a it's a really really yeah good stomping ground for for them against the uh, against the Roos. But but yeah, Franklin's a big one. Sam Reid's quite big. Ben Ronk is a is a, a big out, and Jackson Thurlow as well. So it doesn't make for an easy start. Um, the, the one positive, I guess, is that I, I put I put Essendon in the same sort of category. They've got a favourable draw, but they're missing guys like Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, Dyson Heppel, Horacio Fantasia. Um, I had to really resist the urge to, to say that like BT. To do the BT, yeah. I really, I really wanted to, but I, I held back. Um, and Joey Danaher as well is going to, you know, a lot of them are going to be missing certainly at least one, possibly two or three games. Um, and it looks like Danaher may not be back until round six. So there's, um, you know, they're in the same sort of boat as the Swans where they're missing some big players early. But again, they've got winnable games. You know, they've got Sydney. That's a real coin toss to me, that one. I was going to say, it's a shame that, uh, that, that Joey Danaher is injured because obviously there was the potential trade to Sydney in the off-season, so that could have been quite an interesting... I think it will still will be an interesting game. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that gives it a bit of extra spice. 
But yeah, look, I mean, we can happily, we can move on to West Coast. I'm happy for you to state your case for them as winners because I, I have them as, as losers, actually, funnily enough. But Well, I think, I think the sh- obviously, they're, they're a veteran team. They're one of the uh, oldest lists in the competition. Um, and so, for starters, if anyone can handle kind of a hub environment, you would have to think that veteran teams would handle it better than others. But also, um, the fact that the, the games have been shortened, the rounds have been shortened, again, that benefits older teams. So, there's five less games to be played. The quarters are four minutes-ish less. Um, I don't know why they didn't choose 15. I don't know where 16 was the magic number. But anyway, um, so shorter season, shorter games, I think will help them. Obviously, they have blokes like Matt and Newey who are absolutely amazing if you can keep them on the park. And so, so I think that does make them a winner because, um, you know, if, if they can keep him cherry ripe, uh, I think, as I said, I think they'd have to be definitely top five, but probably top three premiership contenders. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a big if. Um, I'm I'm almost nervous about going into a season where him and, and Josh Kennedy are at full strength. It, it kind of almost feels a little bit weird. Um, and I'm sure I'll probably be, you know, sort of every time they go up for a mark, I'll probably be, be sort of grimacing and thinking, oh, when, when's it going to happen? But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I'm, I'm sort of coming around to them, especially with the fact that there may well be a... I suppose the WA hub coming after that. So yes, absolutely. Um, I guess, I, yeah, I guess for me, you know, playing a home game against Richmond in, in Queensland, you know, that's, I mean, that sucks. It's, it's hard enough playing Richmond at the best of times, but having them, you know, for a home game that's actually closer to the MCG than it is to Optus is, is very, very tough. Round four at Brisbane as well is a, is a tricky test. We, we haven't notoriously played well at the Gabba. So, um, you know, if we can somehow get through those at three and one, I think it sets us up with a very, very solid run at the top four. But, you know, we've never had hubs before and we're almost kind of like guinea pigs effectively um, mm. in terms of how this will all work. So, you know, we could easily be up there for another couple of weeks afterwards. So, it's yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Speaking of, speaking of the G, I tended to be of the school of thought that the interstate teams that had to go to a hub, and again, this was before we knew that the hubs might change throughout the season and that WA might become one. But even so, I don't think this changes my point. I thought that the teams, given the grand final was played at the G pretty much every year without fail now, depending on what happens with the T20 World Cup, it might not this year, but the last time was Waverley in 91. So, you know, pretty much every year without failers at the G. Why wouldn't you want to get your team playing as many games on the G as possible? Why wouldn't you have yourself in Melbourne? Yeah, it's interesting. I know it's certainly a conversation that we, we always have where you would like to, you know, start your season on the road because I guess potentially the, the thought of losing a, an away game as opposed to, to losing a home game is, is certainly, you know, it's favourable. I guess for me, it's just more the fact that you've got to potentially play three or four. You've got to play at least four games there. I think that's, for me, what, what worries me more. You know, if you happen to have, let's say you have a, a run of four games against, you know, Geelong, Hawthorne, Collingwood and Richmond, for example, you could potentially come out of that 0-4 and, and you, your whole season's, you know, basically shot. It's not often that you come out of those those really bad starts and make a run. I mean, I remember the Swans, what were they, 0-4? eight or oh and seven or something one year and made made the finals yeah we made the finals and we beat um essendon um it was a good game too it was it was we're in the hole pretty bad yeah <laughs> but it, do, it doesn't it, and it, it just doesn't happen very often so i guess for me 
you know, yeah, just the thought about being of being away from home for those four weeks, you know, I mean, obviously we had the, the win against Melbourne in round one, but it, yeah, just the, the potential to maybe, to maybe go two and two over those four games or, or heaven forbid one and three. Um, it, yeah. It's, it's just enough to, I guess, worry you a little bit. Um, you know, and, and sticking with the WA theme, I, I certainly, I don't know, I think Frio are, are definitely losers in this as well. Um, I mean, they've got Brisbane Port and the Crows. Um, you know, they're, they're all going to be going to be difficult games. Um, it's also, it's conceivable that Frio could come out of the next month with a one and four record. Um, I think Frio are good. in danger of, that's a very big potential. I think the Eagles should at least be two and two, but I think they could be three and one and I think they could be okay. Um, keeping in mind they've already won the game, so they're already one and zero. The Eagles and the Dockers, on the other hand, are zero and one. So yeah, I think yeah, the Dockers that could narrow loss to Essendon in, in round one. So yeah, it's very conceivable they could come out one and four, which you know really doesn't put them in in a good position to to make a run towards finals. I mean, the good news is I guess Jesse Hogan's um, looking like he'll play in round two. So you know, a bit of a good news story coming out of out of Fremantle, which um, you know, I'm sure all of us will wish him well. Uh, you know, after the battles he's had with injury and, and mental health over the last couple of years. So um, yeah, certainly a, a good thing to see, and you know, hopefully he'll inspire them to to some good footy. The other good thing about the footy coming back now, Stewie, is that uh, it'll be shown in America. So I was talking before about how you know, they'll show anything. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I don't know anything about the level of play in the South Korean Baseball League. It's probably actually quite good. Um, but they were clamouring to get any live sport that they could. And so when AFL did have round one, Twitter was lighting up with, with people watching Fox Sports in America, uh, watching the footy. So, so I talked earlier about, you know... Um, potentially international ownership from America coming in and looking at teams in the AFL, um, the exposure is only going to be increased uh, for at least, well, you know, maybe nearly two months um, because the NBA isn't going to come back until July 31st. Um, so, so, you know, there might be nearly two months of footy games being shown into America when they have very little else live to watch. And, and I mean, part of that could easily be the Mason Cox effect. You know, having having someone in the in the league that they can barrack for. I mean, unfortunately, that probably means another couple hundred, well, couple hundred million uh, Collingwood, Collingwood supporters. Fans. But, <laughs> but, but but you know, I mean, it's it's great that they're they're supporting the game. And I mean, I've seen countless videos on on YouTube of you know Americans reacting to the greatest hip and shoulders and the greatest marks and the greatest goals. And it's, it, it is definitely a sport that seems to be gaining a lot of traction in the States, which, you know, who knows, we may have a, you know, an entire flock of, of Mason Coxes coming across trying their hand because they're all tall and athletic and, you know, maybe not quite good enough to, to play in the major leagues of, of, of the sport they they started with as a, as a kid. So. Let's hope uh, Jeremy Howe takes a few screamers in, in prime time uh, so that everyone sees him. I, I'm a Colts fan in the NFL, so I have Pat McAfee, um, our former punter, uh, on Twitter, and he's very entertaining, and he's a media personality in his own right these days. But he was going nuts. <laughs> he was going nuts for the for the AFL. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see what sort of exposure it will get over there in the coming months. The, the GWS Giants. So you would think that a team that's got three of their next four games at home would be a winner, but I, I, I'm not convinced. North Melbourne's going to be a tough game. They've got a five-day turnaround to head down to Melbourne to play the Bulldogs at Marvel. Um, and then they've got games against Collingwood and Hawthorne. So it's not a great run for them. They could very easily 
you know, go one and three through that and have a losing record after five rounds, but have played four of them at home. So the potential for them to be losers in this is incredibly high for me. So I just thought I'd, I'd very quickly bring that up. And Yeah, no, sorry, you know, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a potentially tough draw. And I think, Hawthorne, I think Hawthorne could scare a few teams this season. So I think oh, you're right. Sure. I think it is a tough... It's, it's one of those ones where, you know, the way that these next four games go for GWS could very easily be what sets up their season. If they go one and three you know, and end up with a two and three record having played four games at home. You know, the the thought of them getting top four may not be, and I know it's early days, but, you know, in a shortened season in particular, it could make that top four aspiration a lot trickier. So, so maybe uh, in the next block, they'll get Melbourne, Gold Coast, Adelaide. And I don't know, Carlton. Ben along under 12s reserves or something. <laughs> Who, who knows? But uh, but no, it, it'll be interesting to see. And, and look, as, as I said before this, every single one of those winners and losers could very easily change after the the announcement of the, the next blocks. And, yeah, and well, let's revisit. The results are over the next four weeks. Let's revisit these when the next block's announced. And I think um, it, yep. it'll be a moving feast, that one. Yeah, definitely. All right, NBA time. Let's, the let's, NBA let's time. So speaking, speaking of hubs... Um, the NBA will be playing in Orlando. Uh, they'll be playing in the Disney World lot. But not all teams, Stewie. Not all teams. No, 22 only. So it's it's a little bit unfortunate. A few of the uh, a few of the teams will be missing out. What they've essentially done is they've looked at all the teams that are within six games of the of the final playoff spot in each of the conferences. And if you're further back than six, you miss out. So you know the teams of of the likes of the New York Knicks and the Golden State Warriors, Atlanta Hawks, um, the Charlotte uh, the Charlotte Hornets, and a few others uh, have missed out unfortunately. But um, again, it's 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 interesting the way that they've set this up and and you know having I guess nine teams from the east, and I think it's thirteen from the west have come across. Um, it's it's going to set up a really really fascinating little block here. So pretty much what they're going to do is they'll be having their their mini training camps, I guess, over the next six weeks or so um, for the July thirty first presumption. You've got eight regular season games and potential play in tournaments for the eight and nine seeds, which will which will be very interesting. Something that I've not been particularly excited about the talk of before this but um but i think it'll it'll be fascinating so well it's funny you mention see... that it's funny you mention that because yeah. i agree i've i've never obviously bill simmons has been talking about his entertaining as hell tournament for years and uh apparently um adam silver the the uh, commissioner is is very interested in keeping interest in the nba as often and as long as possible and apparently he's a fan of in-season tournaments and all sorts of stuff. Yes. And look, I'm stuck in my old ways. I'm very much a purist. I don't like it changing too much. Um, but the thing I did like about this, and it does make a little bit more sense given that it won't be a full 82-game season, um, the fact that they're only coming back for eight games means that some teams will play three less than they might have otherwise. It might even be more for some other teams. Um, they'll only have the play-in tournament if the ninth seed is within... Four games, four games of the eighth seed. Yeah. So that I can live with so, that a little bit more in a in a very abnormal season. 
and it, and it's kind of weird because I think they've they've said it's a single elimination for the ninth seed. So if they lose that one that one off game, they're out. But I think the eighth seed does get a double a double shot effectively. So um, so it's not quite as unfair as it may sound. Um, but it will be yeah certainly fascinating. I think the West will probably be a little bit more exciting. You know, if you look at the teams that are sort of on the edge with you know, teams like the New Orleans Pelicans, the, the San Antonio Spurs, the Portland Trailblazers, um, and to a lesser extent, the Phoenix Suns and Sacramento Kings, there, there will be a lot of a lot of really good, desperate basketball in there. I mean, the Spurs are trying to you know, hold on to that playoff streak that they've had since, you know, since Adam was a boy. So 22 that's, seasons. Uh, that's something. 22 seasons, which is, yeah, which is an amazing effort. You've got... It's currently tied. Well, I mean, some of the other teams, I guess, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans, you've obviously got the, you know, the Zion Williamson effect, which which is fascinating. The Blazers, who were, you know, conference finalists last year, kind of dropped off a little bit this year with with some injuries. Um, yeah, they could potentially, I think they're getting use of Nurkic back. And um, so they'll, they'll be a little bit stronger going into this little tournament. So it, it will be, it'll be very, very interesting. Um, so I guess one of the things though that before we even sort of get into I guess who the winners and losers are there were a a series of very very humorous uh, floated ideas I guess for some of these potential home court advantages because obviously you've got teams like the Milwaukee Bucks and the Lakers who are a fair way ahead of, of, of the pack and you know they're argument would be well you know we've we've earned a home court advantage but we're playing in Orlando what do we get so I I just wanted to run some of these past you Nathan and get your thoughts on just how ridiculous they are yes Um, well it's it's funny you mention that because you know they're going to Disney World to play and uh, some of these suggestions are absolutely Mickey Mouse stuff Absolutely. They are fair. Oh, perfect. Well played. Well played. So the, the first random one was uh, awarding the first possession of the second, third and fourth quarter to the home court team. So um, what are your thoughts on that one? Um, of, of, the potential, of the potential ones, um, that was probably the most palatable. Um, but I, I don't like it. No, I don't like it. You're effectively awarding what's probably a better team, three extra possessions. Yep. That's fairly, fairly similar to how I feel about it. It's certainly, yeah, it definitely is the best of the, of the five, but um, yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't really, uh, yeah, it doesn't really look good to me. Giving, as you say, giving a, a Milwaukee or, a, or a, a Lakers or a Clippers team, yeah, these extra possessions. Um, allowing one designated player to have seven fouls instead of six. Do I start laughing now? Or? Oh, this is outrageous. This is outrageous. I mean, for, well, for starters, I think any, any advantages have to be outside of the game. The games have to be the way they are. So, obviously, in the AFL, they've changed the games, but that's been from round one and that's throughout the entire duration. The NBA planning, are planning on playing the normal 48-minute games under normal rules, normal circumstances in the eight-game lead-in to the playoffs. They can't then then muck around with the playoffs for home court advantage and, and allow extra possessions and, and fouls. I think I think it really I mean it would really make a mockery. And I'm glad that that these were kind of pie in the sky ideas that don't seem to have gained any traction. Um, but can you imagine you know Anthony Davis having seven fouls or LeBron James having the ability to to get to get seven fouls? You could be in five fouls in the fourth quarter and not be in foul trouble. I mean the very concept of that is ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the you know the AFL as as 
a little bit of an example there. I would certainly say that, yeah, there's, you know, there's no extra sort of advantage for these 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 teams it's not like you know one of the players gets to gets to play with you know a big catch as mitt to make taking marks easier or one of their defenders has to has to has to play in an inflatable raft or in thongs or something stupid where there's there's just such an advantage to to one team that you know it's yeah this one I I nearly fell off my chair laughing I I thought that was so ridiculous I don't know an inflatable raft might be good for the blokes that have injury history that could be a bit of fun definitely (laughs) definitely Um, moving on to the next one receiving an extra coach's challenge again terrible I think it it just it brings the whole thing you know into question Um, it's not fair it's not fair that's what it comes down to for me I actually want to pose a question to you because the coach's challenge to me is, has been a real bugbear of mine for a while. I, I really think they're getting it wrong anyway. Um, if you look at the way, and, and for those who aren't familiar with the way that it works, you know, the coaches get one challenge per game, successful or unsuccessful. For me, the, the biggest problem I have is, you know, if you look at the way that they do it in tennis where, you know, the players get three challenges per, uh, you know, per set, and if they're, if they're successful, you know, they, they challenge a ball that was called out and it actually was in, they, they retain their challenge. Kind of the, the same way that they do with the DRS um, in, in the cricket. With the I don't always nail that one either. Well, they, <laughs> well no, I mean, we, we, the Aussies are notorious for, for being terrible at it, but um, and, you know, to the point where we've actually started, you know, taking the, the piss out of ourselves for how bad we are. But It's actually um, been a bad couple of years for challenges. In the NFL, there's been a few gaffes over the last few years. Um, but it's fairly new to the NBA. Was it last season or this season? Last season? I think it was, yeah, it was last, last season. But the, so it's the still fairly is, new. Yeah, what I hate about it, though, is that, you know, if you get an absolute howler in the first minute of the game, teams won't challenge it because they know that they're right. They know they're probably going to get a, get the possession again. But everyone wants to save it for the last two minutes of the game just in case there's a there's an absolute howler. Um, I hate the fact that you can't challenge a call that hasn't been made. Um, I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and for me, I go back a couple of seasons to uh, there was a game winner. It might have even been last season where Giannis uh, makes a makes a drive along the baseline. His foot's out of bounds, right next to an umpire, but they miss the call, and we can't challenge it because you know the call, there was no call made. So. I, I already don't like the coaches' challenge, and to, mm. to give them an extra one, um, you know, the other problem it, it creates, I guess, is that the coaches' challenges in the NBA take, you know, five, ten minutes sometimes. Uh, so they ruin a lot of the, the momentum of the game and, um, and a lot of the flow. Whereas, obviously, in a lot of these other sports, um, you know, they can be done within 15, 20 seconds. So, I, I like the idea of both reviews. So if if there's people sitting in the truck watching the footage, and if a if a coach feels like he's been aggrieved, he calls a timeout, and in during that timeout time, they'll have a look at the angles a few times, and then determine. Uh, so rather than a challenge, it'll cost you a timeout. But I think that's you know potentially quite worth it. I think it already cost them a timeout anyway. So right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why not have the booth? Yeah, no, not a fan. Yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan. No, definitely not. So the the next one, transporting their their actual hardwood. So basically, ripping up their their floor and bringing it across to Orlando to to put down. I like the aesthetic idea of it, but really, it doesn't do anything for me. Aside aside from aesthetics. 
Yeah, I, and, and it's funny you mention that because the aesthetics, uh, when I first heard it, I thought, oh, yeah, that's not a terrible idea. I don't have a problem with that. And I guess I didn't really think about the logistics of it. Um, uh, you know, the hardwood, okay. For anyone other than the Celtics, that you know, there's probably no mystique with the hardwood. But, you know, if they have the sticker, put the team sticker on midcourt, I don't yeah, have a problem yep. with that. Yeah, yeah, put a decal on, exactly. Make it, make it simple. Um, and then another one of the probably the more far-fetched one is the playoff teams in order of seeding one through 16 would get first choice of hotel in the area. So this is one of the one of the off outside of game kind of advantages, I guess, because uh, you know you could argue that the floor is kind of well, it is an in game. The floor is what they're playing on, but uh, I, I don't have a problem with this one really. If if the highest ranked team wants to pick first hotel, I don't have a major problem with this to be honest. I don't know how so much think, of an advantage it would be. See, they could make it more fun and say, you know, the first seed gets to choose the number sixteen seeds hotel. So they can put him in some creepy backstreet motel with, you know, with murder scenes and all sorts of things going on. Then, then, it, get, then it gets a little bit more fun and I'm, I'm maybe, you know, a little bit more inclined to, to get on board. But I, I just think it's, it's fairly irrelevant. But so, yeah, that, it, I don't think it was a particularly great brainstorming uh, session by whoever came up with all of these. But well, I uh, suspect it was probably the top four, the top two teams in each conference might have uh, put true. these forward, and I would suggest that they would have been shot down pretty quickly. Yeah. But I mean, the good thing is that twenty nine of the thirty teams did vote to approve the other um, conditions under which the game is coming back. Only Portland voted against. So that's, I mean, I think that's good. I think the owners are being pragmatic, and it's good that, or off the bat. Uh, that nearly everyone is in agreement about the, the the new conditions in these weird times. Yeah, beautiful. So I suppose we should uh, move on to the winners and losers. I started off with a fun one, the New Orleans Pelicans. So um, obviously Zion Williamson missed the first 45 games of the season. The Pels were about four games back from the eight seed. They've only really gained half a, a game so far in, in that time. So... Um, they're pretty much back to full strength in terms of their, their, their playing roster. They can make a good run at this, uh, you know, at this, this eight seed. Um, so the potential for them to, you know, to actually get into to the playoffs, they'll actually be a very interesting team to play in the first round. And I, I don't think the Lakers will be particularly excited about the thought of playing the Pelicans. Oh, don't yeah, you love, not. don't you love that matchup where the veteran team comes up against the young upstart in the one eight matchup? Yeah, but there's also a lot more to it. I mean, you've got guys like Lonzo Ball and and Hart and Ingram who were all shipped across to make you know to make way for for Anthony Davis coming across from the Pelicans. So you know, there's there's actually it would be a very interesting storyline seeing you know these two teams face off in a in a, a one eight matchup. So it could be really really uh, really really fun. And, and for me, the only thing that would suck about that is it would mean that Memphis would probably miss out. So. Um, well, they would miss out. So, yeah, that would be a bit of a shame. But now I had I had the Milwaukee Bucks as winners. Um, you could potentially make a case for them being being both. But I think the reason I put them as a winner is that going into the break, the Bucks were on a three-game losing streak. They were six and four in their last 10 games. Giannis Antetokounmpo was day-to-day when the break came. So I think it gave them a really good chance to, to regroup and, and kind of get ready for the playoffs. So, um, you could, I mean, you could argue that the fact that they're missing out on their home court advantage is, you know, is a big thing. But, um, you know, they're a, they're a good side. They've, they've got a very 
very strong bench and, and they've got a lot of good good veteran players as well. So Oh, I love this Milwaukee team. They are stacked. And I'm really I would have loved to have seen them win in a normal season. Um and I don't I mean we'll, we'll talk about this shortly, but it, it's it's going to be one of those seasons where obviously it'll still be sweet if you win, but how will fans and how will the history books and how will how will history generally look back? And that's something we'll talk about shortly. But I agree with you. The, the break happened absolutely at the right time for them. They'd kind of hit their skids a little bit and um, they needed a break. But I think in the long term, I'm not sure that they're winners. I think that, that uh, you know, getting that top seed in the East, I, I think with crowds at the games, I think that would have almost guaranteed them a spot into the NBA Finals. Yeah, look, they're one that could very easily go both ways. I mean, I, for me, it was just about the momentum. So we will see. I mean, it will be very, very quick to find out whether whether it actually did work out for them. Um, certainly one, I guess, that we are probably a little bit more invested in being Aussies is the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, so if you cast your mind back to the 22nd of Feb, Ben Simmons was pretty much doubtful for coming back for the rest of the season with a back injury. Um, so it looks like that's all sorted out. I mean, if any of you have seen the photos coming through on you know, on, on the internet at the moment, he is jacked, absolutely jacked. It looks like he spent the entire time just lifting weights. Um, well, that's to the point where, that's, sorry, that's an interesting to... point. Yeah, no, that's uh, if he has spent the entire time lifting weights, then that's a major problem because he should have been working on his jump shot. Yeah, look, there's, there's probably uh, no doubt. Look, he may be looking at it and saying, well, you know, I don't have a three-point shot now. Can I figure one out in a couple of months? Maybe I'm just going to get myself jacked to the point where no one's going to be able to stop me when I take it inside. So if he hasn't lost any of his agility but in stacking on God knows how many pounds of muscle, he, he's going to be he very, very buff. tough to stop. Yeah, I mean, you put him in a position where he's coming downhill at you, I don't think there's many guys that will take a charge on him. So... I guess for me, the only question for me is the neutral court side of things. I mean, if you look at Philly's record, and this is one of the most astounding stats I've, I've seen. <laughs> it sure is. So Philly, Philly were 29 and two at home, but only 10 and 24 away. Oh, defiant belief. Put, it put them on track to have the biggest percentage difference between their home and away records since the NBA went to an 82 game schedule in the 67, 68 season. So you look at some of the, the amazing home court teams, you know, teams like the 85, 86 Celtics or the, you know, the Bulls of the, of the late 90s. They had amazing home court records, but, you know, they also backed it up away from home. They were probably winning at least 50% of their games away from home. So, um, and the teams that have been notoriously rubbish at home, at home or away have been rubbish in, in any arena. So, you know, it, it is just absolutely staggering that this team can be so unbeatable at home and yet be, you know, have probably one of the worst away records in, in, in the league, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I had them as winners too. I, I think, uh, well, I guess it could go either way, couldn't it? Because if these are all treated as road games, then they'll be first round exits. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a distinctive possibility. And, and I guess it depends who they get. I mean, if, if we look at the, the current seedings, they would be playing Boston, which is a very much a grudge match. They have had some fantastic uh, games and series against, uh, against Boston. Um, Philly will obviously be happy that Al Horford's on their side of the, of, of the court now. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, as I say, I just can't understand how, how that team, like the New York Knicks have a better, will have a better percentage away from home than the Philadelphia 76ers do. Wow, well, yeah. We, uh, admittedly, not quite up. much. But, 
But like, I mean, the, the Philadelphia away record would be the second worst in the Western Conference. Only Golden State has a worse record. So, you know, yeah, it, it's a it's a bit of an iffy one. But I think, you know, again, getting Ben Simmons back and healthy will will definitely help them. Um, it certainly can't be a hindrance. So, you know, we'll, again, we'll watch that one with with, uh, with with vested interest, definitely. Yes, hopefully, it's more a neutral court situation than an away court situation. Uh, if it's yeah. a neutral court situation, then who knows? They could make some noise because they certainly have the talent. If it's an away court situation, they might be out in straight sets. Very true, very true. That'll be, yeah, it'll be fascinating. Um, moving out west, we've got the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so I've, I've put them as winners just purely because of the way that the rest of the regular season was, was probably going to play out for them. So um, Memphis were, were currently sitting in the, well, they're currently sitting in the eighth position. So they're about, uh, about three and a half games ahead of Portland, uh, New Orleans and Sacramento. But if you look at their their remaining 17 games that they had originally, 11 of those were against playoff teams. The other six that were there, five of them were New Orleans, Portland and San Antonio, three teams that are that are fighting for the eighth seed. So they really only had one game that they were playing against a, a team that, that wasn't probably going to try particularly, particularly hard. And, so and this Portland, is... New Orleans... Oh, sorry, go I was just going to say, this is something we don't know yet about the schedules. So, obviously, we know there's going to be eight games. We know that's not the full season. And we also know, obviously, there are eight teams that won't be playing. So, they have to somehow work out a way to try and replicate fairness in the schedule as it was meant to happen. Memphis had the strongest uh, strength of schedule for the run home. So, they very could have easily fallen out of that eighth slot anyway. And I think you could have made a strong case for New Orleans coming in and nicking that one anyway. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the schedule shakes out when it does. I, I, I potentially think that Portland are, are just as big a chance as well. You know, getting Nurkic back oh, absolutely. Is, is, absolutely. Is, is, yep. is massive. Um, you know, so, it, yeah, that will be, be very, very interesting to see. Um, my last winner, actually, I, I think is, is one that a lot of people have had, which, which is the Golden State Warriors. Now, it's, it's hard to figure out how a team that's not going to play can be winners, but... The, the big thing for them, obviously, is they've been, you know, very, very heavily injured for, for a lot of the season. Clay Thompson hasn't played yet. Steph Curry only just came back, uh, you know, before the, before the break happened. So I think it's, it's great to be able to put these guys in, in mothballs, so to speak, um, you know, not try and push Steph too hard for the rest of the season. And, and potentially, you know, they, they actually do have the, the best odds of the number one pick in the, in the lottery as well. So, you know, you're likely to have a team coming back with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and potentially a defensive-minded rebounding big from the draft, someone like a James Wiseman. And they are straight away back to being a championship contender. Oh, which yeah. Is, uh, which is scary. scary. It is. It's very, it very scary. scary. So, so yeah, definitely those... I mean, they're probably the, the five winners I had. Did you have anyone different? Uh, the, only, the only one... I agree with you on Philly, assuming that the neutral, uh, as I say, will be will be neutral and not be an away game uh, in their mindset. Uh, the, the only other ones I had for the, for the potential winners were the LA Clippers. Um, I think that uh, there was a very good chance that they were on a collision course with the Lakers. Obviously, they share the same city and the same stadium. And from all reports, whenever there's a Clippers-Lakers game, even when it's a home game for the Clippers, it sounds and feels like a Lakers game. So even though they're playing... Uh, on the Clippers court with the Clippers colours and everything, 
the crowd and the energy always seems to go towards the Lakers from all reports. I haven't been to a, to a uh, LA Derby. I've only been to uh, one game um, Lakers and Blazers back in the day, but um, yeah, so I, I have them as, as a, as a major winner. And I think that really will even the playing field with the Lakers and who knows, maybe even give them the edge. Yeah. I had them in the, in the neutral category, but I must admit I'm leaning more towards them being winners as well. I mean, I think the reason I maybe had them in a neutral was because this could have, you know, potentially halted some of their momentum. I mean, they'd won seven of eight going into the break. They had wins over the Nuggets, Sixers, Thunder and Rockets. So they probably weren't too happy to be sitting down. But I guess when you look at the numbers, like Kawhi Leonard played 60 games last season. If he plays all eight of these remaining ones, it'll put him to 59. So kind of right in his sweet spot in terms of rest goes. Um, and I guess he and Paul George have had some extra time to, to get close to 100%. So, yeah, they're, they're probably primed to make a, a key run, you know, in deep into the into those playoffs. So, yeah, you're probably right. I think they, they probably are winners as well. And my only other winners were the lower seeds. Obviously, they don't have to go into hostile environments to play away games. And so the level, you know, the playing field will be leveled a little bit, I think. Yep. And, and I guess, you know, you, you make a good point. You know, these teams that really probably had very little shot of making it, they can just swing for the fences and, and, you know, hope for a miracle. I mean, a team like the Phoenix Suns, for example, who were six games out with, you know, only about 17 to go, you would probably put them at a one or 2% chance of making it. But, you know, if they get on a little hot streak for six games, Devin Booker starts going going crazy. Kelly Oubre might, might, go, might go nuts as well. You know, they're, they're very easily a team that could potentially go six and two somehow uh, depending on, on what their what their schedule looks like and is deandre ayton would he be playing he was looking pretty good yeah. too so yeah yeah so yeah true yeah ayton ayton is definitely definitely there as well um you know they've they've yeah i mean they've, they've got an interesting enough team but it it's just you know what, what will happen after the break will you know but but yeah you're right it's a good point they can they can very much swing for the fences as can the spurs and kings um, so yeah, it should be should be good fun. Well, let's let's segue then into my losers, Joey, because I think the, yeah. the well, first of all, the players' nasal cavities are the biggest losers because apparently it's quite an intrusive <laughs> test and they'll be tested on a regular basis. Yeah, um, yep. In all seriousness, though, I, I do have the Spurs as as a loser. Um, this is basically because they don't have a chance. And so the teams that are coming back, they're losers for several reasons. So one, they have an elderly coach, one of the oldest coaches in the league in Greg Popovich. And obviously older people are more susceptible to being much more adversely affected by COVID-19. Um, then they shut down LaMarcus Aldridge. So he's done a shoulder. They've, um, they'll, they're putting him away for surgery. So without Aldridge um, and... You know, already not. You know, already the streak was looking uh, pretty in danger. <laughs> so it looks like that record will be shared. This was the year they needed to to win in order to take out the the playoff streak outright. Uh, I don't think I have your. Happen. I have. I've got your answer, Nathan. Enter player coach Tim Duncan. Whoa, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And we, and we don't know about the signings. We don't know about that'd be so good. <laughs> Sorry, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing? Tim, Tim Duncan giddy. running, running. Running the post and plays like a la Bill Russell back in the day, leading them to back to the glory, the glory land. So. 
And, and full disclosure, I am I am a Spurs fan. I've been since 1992 when everyone else picked the balls. I thought I'd be a little bit different and pick the Spurs because I like David Robinson. And I, I always had a bit of a fascination with Dennis Rodman from a young age too when he came over across from the Pistons as well. But I, but I, I think, yeah, I, I don't see the Spurs doing much. Uh, lest Tim Duncan join, <laughs> which would be nice. Get off the bench. I appreciate no, no. Look, it's it's potentially a good point. I mean, I, I guess the Aldridge thing probably is the the last nail in the coffin, unless Demar Derozan channels his his inner Kobe Bryant or or Michael Jordan and, and just goes ballistic. Yeah, but I don't see it, mate. It's um, it's, see it's, it. it's, it's, it's unlikely. All right, who um, else have you got? Well, I've also I've got uh, teams in obviously. Well, you know, elderly coaches. You know, not just pop. That extends to any elderly coaches. Although we did a bit of a look, didn't we? And there's not as many as there was even say five years ago. Um, yeah, we're we're very. There's very few of them that are that are in that level. The other losers are teams that were in tank mode. So obviously, and, and I think this has been a pragmatic move by the NBA, much like the pragmatic move for the play-in tournament, only under certain uh, conditions. Um, the the perversely we could have a situation where a team like Washington, if they'd lost all eight games, would have actually fallen lower in the standings than than entering and therefore dropping below teams that didn't even get a chance to play in the hub. So what the NBA have done have said that if you miss you know, if if you do have a horrible eight game stretch, it doesn't mean that you'll drop further in the standings as far as the lottery is concerned. So I think that's a that's a good that's a good move. But still, teams that are in tank mode are losers because if they wanted to tank every single game remaining, uh, they can't do that anymore because they're not going to be playing all of them, and the the lottery will be somewhat fixed. So I had them as losers too. I know it's a bit of a blight on the game, and it's not something that people like uh, admitting but to. It's, much. it's a it's it's a, it's a reality though. I mean, regardless. I mean, if you look at the the process. That, that got Philadelphia, Joel Embiid, and and Ben Simmons, and and a few other, well, and and what was Markel Fultz, I guess. Yeah, that all came down to however many years in a row of just tanking and being completely irrelevant, I guess. So, you know, it's it's a it's a reality of the of the game, and I th- it was great that the league brought in those the, the different odds. I guess you know, it wasn't just sort of rewarding a team for being terrible and giving them the the number one pick every year. So. It's good. To um, that. A couple of others, Drew, before you say yours. Um, uh, this is two pronged, I guess. Teams that get a case and teams or players that get a false positive. That could create quite a stir and could be quite interesting. And who knows? We may never even find out about all the testing. Um, but we do know that apparently approximately 5% of the league uh, has already had it. Um, obviously, famously, the reason the whole thing got shut down was when Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz got it. He passed it on to Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Kevin Durant also was someone that had it. So, so it'll be really interesting to see. If players have to be put aside because they test positive, um, potentially that could wreck a team's season if it was LeBron James or you know, uh, Giannis. Well, if- you know. Well, even even a Donovan Mitchell and a Rudy Gobert. I mean, those those two guys are you know franchise players for the Jazz. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely a, an interesting uh, sort of thought. I mean, you don't know whether that would potentially have them shut the whole thing down again straight away. But um, I guess you know, as you mentioned before, they'll be doing testing probably. You know, well, if if they get a false positive or, or a positive of any kind, they'll probably be running multiple tests just to make sure that uh, that everything's okay. So yeah, you're probably right. We'll, we'll def- yeah. 
we'll definitely keep the fingers crossed because yeah, you're right. I mean, one one big name player getting it, it could very easily shut everything down again, which would just be worst case scenario. Or it could shut a team down. So if the player's isolated and all their teammates are tested and, and the teammates come up fine, the game the show will go on. So if a real big star has to isolate because they've tested positive. Um, and geez, you'd hate to be the first player that tests positive in the hub situation and all the speculation that would go, you know, the stories that could come out of people breaking curfew and that sort of thing. So I think that's going to be a really interesting side story too, particularly if it affects results. And yeah, I mean, particularly in Orlando as well. I mean, you're that close to, that close to Disney World. I mean, you may as well... Uh, you know, you, you, you get a lot of people that might sort of say, oh, you know, it'd be great to go and check out the theme park for well, if it's even open. I'm not sure if it would be. But, um, but you know, yeah, there's, there's, there'd be a lot of cool things going on around Orlando. Um, so, yeah, it's, it'll be fascinating. It'll be here's, a, fascinating. here's a question for you, Stewie. So, obviously, famously, and I think it started off as a bit of guerrilla marketing, a bit of, bit of a sponsorship deal. But, obviously, famously, uh, when teams win a championship, there's always one player that says, I'm going to Disneyland, I'm going to Disney World. Uh, I don't think they'll be saying it this year. I think they'll be wanting to leave as quickly as they can. The winning team will have had to be there in isolation for three months. Yeah, I'm going to my own house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll, that'll be their celebration. <laughs> that'll be their celebration. My only other loser, Stuart, before I uh, throw it over to you, is basically the eight teams that missed out and the young players and the young players on those eight teams because obviously um, they want to be playing as much as they can. They're, they're youthful and energetic and... They want to get out there. And obviously, there's going to be quite a long layoff. Um, so there's talk of, uh, you know, maybe the season finishing in late October and then coming back for the following season in December. So um, potentially the 22 teams that go quite far, they, they, they could be losers for the following season if they're really tired as well. True. No, that's it's it's an interesting point. It actually is a is a perfect way to lead into, uh, to, I guess, my first loser that I had, which was the Atlanta Hawks, um, and very specifically Vince Carter. So, I mean, obviously, it sucks that the Hawks didn't get to restart. They've just acquired Clint Capella from Houston um, and brought him in with with their nucleus of guys, you know, guys like Trey Young and and Collins and and Reddish and all those sorts of guys. But I, I still think, you know, while it's it's annoying that they didn't you didn't get a you know, a, a chance for those guys to, to play some games together. The worst part for me is obviously the whimper that Vince Carter's, you know, amazing career comes to an end with, um, you know, a five-point overtime loss to the Knicks in a game that very few people were probably that fussed about because of what happened in Oklahoma City that night. Um, you know, the only cool thing, I actually went back and watched, the, you know, part of that game and Vince Carter hit a, hit a, a triple with his last shot <laughs> about five seconds left in the fourth quarter. Oh, sorry, in the, in the overtimes. So, um, you know, so it was nice that he could potentially go out hitting his last shot. But, you know, it would be incredibly cool, you know, following on from the, the Tim Duncan thought I had, it would be really cool <laughs> if he could potentially sign on for like a, a veterans minimum for the playoffs, I guess, with, uh, with Toronto. Or, oh, that'd be wonderful. You know, with someone. So he potentially... Toronto, it would have, have to be. It would have to be Toronto to come full circle. That would be the most poetic way for him to go out. But, uh, you know, I mean, it would just be great for him to, to get another, another shot besides, you know, going out in, yeah, in, in what is basically a, a footnote game for, for the entire season. So, so yeah, he, that, that was my first one. Look, I, I, did, I did have the Lakers as, uh, as losers, um, I guess, because, you know, they were in a, a huge run. They'd won 11 of 13 before, the, um, before this all happened. 
they've also got they've got a fairly old uh, roster. If you look at a lot of their role players like Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, Danny Green, um, you know, and, you know, aside from the fact that LeBron, you know, is in his mid thirties and he's playing like he's twenty five, you know, he's he's still in his mid thirties as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Certainly not so much LeBron. I mean, from all accounts, he is almost as jacked as as Ben Simmons is. But is he a loser, um, Stewie? Obviously, he's uh, oh. you know on he could beat Kareem's scoring title of thirty eight thousand three hundred eighty seven points, but, but he's losing games. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's probably lost you know two hundred to maybe maybe two hundred and fifty points in the eleven games. Um, you know, assuming he played them all, he would he would potentially have lost uh, yeah lost out on on a you know two to three hundred points. Which yeah, I mean you know as much as he'd probably never say it, I guarantee deep down LeBron wants to be the number one scorer of all time. I mean, that's, who, who wouldn't want to be if you had the chance? I mean, obviously you play the game for championships, but, you know, that little accolade is, is pretty impressive. I mean, he's got a chance to be the, the only player ever to score 40,000 points in his career, which, you know, most people thought Kareem would probably struggle to ever be broken and, and you know, to have that record broken. And, and, yeah, you're right, it could potentially you know, impact his, his chances on that. So we will see, and we'll certainly see how, uh, you know, how those role players have come back, whether they've stayed fit, whether they've come back with the same intensity. Chances are they will, but it just wasn't great timing for me, which is, I guess, why I've, I've got them in the losers category. Um, and then the other one was the Utah Jazz, um, you know, sort of going back to the, the Rudy Gobert incident. Um, I mean, maybe we can take a couple of minutes to discuss that. You know, obviously the, that was the, the very first thing that, that, that sort of happened, I guess, the first thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's always going to be an important part of the history of this season, isn't it? Um, Rudy not taking it seriously, touching microphones when he had it, um, joking around, and then, yeah, turning out to have it and giving it to Donovan. <laughs> Apparently that yeah, didn't talk give it, for give a month. It, yeah. And, and it's funny because, you know, watching a lot of a lot of jazz games, Gobert's not a great passer. So it's kind of ironic that he, you know, the one time that he passed something well <laughs> happened, happened to be a friggin' virus to, to their team, their team's best player. So, oh, you know, he's, he's, so he's, he's definitely stuffed up. I mean, I suppose my one question to you would be, you know, around the, the repercussions of that, you know, I don't believe there's been, you know, any official talk of a suspension. Um, I know that Rudy Gobert did, I think he donated about five hundred thousand US dollars to the Utah Jazz, um, you know, to the to the people from the arena, and this, he did the same with Oklahoma City, which I thought was a was a great gesture, um, and sent some money back to France as well, which is his his home country. But do you think that the the penalty that he had was? Do you think that was a bit lenient, or what? What are your thoughts? Well, I think I, th- I think that he probably should have got a suspension. Initially, I thought five games. I'm prepared to maybe bring that down to three games. I guess there's only eight games left prior to the playoffs. That would still be a punishment for the team. Obviously, also, um, uh, Jingles, Aussie Joe Ingles, is considering not playing because he's got a very heavily pregnant wife and a child with autism, a special needs child. So he is actually considering not not going. So I think the Jazz absolutely would be massive losers. You'd have to worry about their chemistry regardless between Mitchell and Gobert. Apparently things are starting to be patched up, but there were reports that they hadn't spoken for a month. Um, so, yeah, so I, I definitely do think he should have got suspended. Do you think five is about right or three? Yeah, I mean, now that it's down to eight games, I think five is probably too too much. Um, originally, you know, if, if we were going back to the 
you know, what, what was originally the rest of the season where there were 17 odd games left. You know, I probably would have argued that five was maybe maybe right. I mean, I've previously used the word, um, the word, well, what did I say? Negligent, I think was the word I used. Um, and I think you, you you sort of said that, you know, reckless was maybe a little bit more of an apt word. But yeah, I, maybe regardless. I'm splitting hairs, but I, th- I thought reckless. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, it was it was a, a stupidly immature move, and, and he's you know very, he's actually very fortunate that nobody died, because if you know you imagine how oh well who knows that. I mean it's not something you can trace is it? I, I think it would have been negligent had he known he had it I think the fact that he didn't know he had it makes it a reckless act and a very silly act and a, a joke that mm. you might have made in the locker room but to make it publicly in front of cameras and um, on a microphone literally on the things that the people are using the reporters are using. Yeah. I, I think I mean, it was a, a really poor decision on his part. Yeah. yeah and look, maybe I, I, the I NBA mean, thought the, the PR backlash was enough and that he didn't need a, a mm-hmm. suspension on top of it. But um, Yeah, I mean, I guess if, if, if you consider, the, you know, had, had Donovan Mitchell's case been serious and he'd either passed away or ended up in intensive care or something like that, I mean, there are obviously cases that, are, that have, you know, if you look at Carl Anthony Towns' mother, you know, tragically passed away from it um, very, very quickly as well. So, you know, the the potential for it, and you're right, I mean, it probably was a bit of naivety from Gobert not knowing, but I think he's fairly lucky to to escape without a, without a suspension. But, oh, definitely um, without any suspension, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess when you couple that, I mean, they've lost Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was their second leading scorer for the season as well, you know, They've had a roller coaster season. I mean, they had a 19 and two stretch at one stage over 21 games in December, January, which is just ridiculous. But then they've had multiple four or more, uh, you know, more, four or more game losing streaks, I guess, in in the last couple of months as well. So they've been all over the place. I I don't think they're they're probably a team that that many would be scared of playing in the first round. I know I would love to get that, but uh, you know, I guess we'll. We'll see what uh, we'll see what unfolds when when the teams hit the court. Yeah, so, I think those, yeah. when the season started, I think they were potentially quite a formidable team. But I think now, under the current circumstances, that there may be a team you would prefer to play than some others in the first. Oh, they round. would be definitely. They would be. I mean, I, I would have said someone like a Denver Nuggets team would be quite interesting, but apparently, um, you know, someone like a Nikola Jokic who could very easily have, have blown out has actually apparently uh, you know come back in very very good shape. So. I've got a Nikola Jokic stat for you, Stewie. And thanks for bringing up the Nuggets because they're potential losers too. Obviously, they have the, the home court advantage of the altitude. So, so they're probably losers too, um, also mm. being a high seed. But Nikola Jokic leads the Nuggets in total points, rebounds and assists, which he's done in each of the previous two seasons. So according to Elias, uh, Jokic could join LeBron James and Wilt Chamberlain as the only players in NBA history to lead their teams in all three categories for three straight seasons. I did see that. That is a it's a fascinating little stat, and this is this is what's so great about sport. And this is what I, one of the things I've missed is just these random little tidbits of, of things that just come out of nowhere. And it, it it does show, yeah, how versatile and how you know how good a player he is. So, um, oh god, I can't wait for it to start again. I'm so, I've got another I'm so one for you, Stewie. I forgot to bring this one up before. So, uh, yeah. I'll look, question without notice. I'm going to put you on the spot. It's possible you've read it anyway, and I reckon gotcha. your knowledge you'll have a decent crack. So the Bucks have beaten opponents by an average of 11.3 points per game, which would be the fifth largest average margin of victory in NBA history. All four teams ahead of them won titles. You want to have a guess? 
Well, you'd have to imagine at least one of the Warriors teams from the last couple of seasons would be would be in there. Um, 2017. 2017. I would have thought the 96 Bulls would be in there. They're in there. Okay. Uh, if I had to hazard a guess if there's any teams from the 80s, I mean, the 85-86 Celtics would be one I'd probably put in there. They may be... No, none from the 80s, but that's a decent guess. That was a very good team. I, I early 70s. The next two are in the early 70s. They're actually early in back-to-back 70s. years. Back-to-back right. years. So is this, is this like a Wilt Chamberlain Los Angeles Lakers team, perhaps? It could well be. 1972. So be the, the, the Lakers team that won 33 games in a row. Um, and then and then I guess the next – what, is it a different team next year? Is that the Knicks or something? 71 bucks the year before them with Laurel Sindor, oh, who, of course, then became and, and, Kareem. Uh, changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Oscar Robertson, yeah, that's right. Oh, Bobby Dandridge, you know I love Bobby Dandridge. I was going to say they had Bobby Dandridge as well. That's fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're, they're dominating. They are dominating. So hopefully they can keep that going. I'm Nath. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes. Sport Blokes.